here for our dads. All right. Dads, we love you. We love you, we love you. Yeah, we, at Overlake today, we got bacon, we got sunshine. It's a great day to be a dad. So um, you might want to grab your notes out of your handout, and you will see we are actually wrapping up a series today called called, and the idea is that God is calling us. He, he moves and saves and works in the world every bit as much today as he did when you open up the pages of the Bible, say, and you read through the book of Acts, and you see how God moves and saves and heals and, and is at, at work and in the world. He's using his church, his people, Jesus followers, in the world today just like that. And so he has a call. Our belief is that he has a call on his church. He has a call on all of us as his people, and we get to participate in that by listening to his call, responding to his call, and remaining in his call. And so today, we want to talk about that remaining portion. We want to talk about what it means to just remain, just to continue in his call. And right away, you know that there are some roles in which we all have to remain. Uh, parenting is one of them, right? Fatherhood is one of those roles that you have to remain in. It's, it's an, a journey of a lifetime, right? And yes, in parenting for moms and dads, there might be times when you feel like, you know what? I just want to catch the midnight train to anywhere and these kids can, you know, take care of themselves and, you know, have at it. You know, you're a teenager. You think you know it all anyway, so go for it, you know. And uh, yet we don't. Hopefully we don't, and we don't. Why? Because we know that remaining is a part of the role. Marriage is the same way. Times that you don't feel like serving your spouse, honoring your spouse, and yet you remain. Even in career, even in the workplace, there, no matter how much you love your job, and I know many of you do, I absolutely love my role here at Overlake, but the point is, no matter how much you love your role, there are times when the only reason you show up, the only reason you give your best is because you know you need to remain. And so that's kind of what we're talking about here is how part of God's call on each and every one of us is not just to listen to his call, not just to respond to his call, but to remain in his call. And I want you to understand right off the bat that this is a character quality that God shows to us, right? This is on, we get to choose how we respond on our end of the equation, but God has already settled the issue on his side of the equation. So here it is. I want to, I, a couple of verses from Psalms. They're all from Psalms. I, I want you to see the theme through these. It says, but I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. That's Psalm 13, 5. I want you to circle the words unfailing love. I trust in your unfailing love. Psalm 33, 5 says, the Lord loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of his unfailing love. Circle that phrase as well. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those whose hope is in his, say it with me, unfailing love. That's right. Uh, Psalm 52, 8. But I am like an olive tree flourishing in the house of God. I trust in God's unfailing love forever and ever. And the Lord delights in those who fear him, who put their hope in his, say it, unfailing love. So you can see the theme through all this, right? The theme is that God's love is unfailing. It will not fail. It is steadfast. It does not cease. It is unconditional. It is all the time, always for us. That is who God is. So 
the consistency, right, the constancy of God's love for us, that has already been settled. And because of his love, it propels him to act in a certain way towards us. Look at these next couple of verses, Hebrews 13, 5. For he himself has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. In other words, I remain because my love for you is unfailing. I'm never going to leave. I'm never going to forsake. My love for you is unfailing. Jesus says the same thing in Matthew 28, 20. He says, be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And what I'm trying to get across is this, that God's unfailing love for us commits him to us, that he has chosen to remain with us. And this is such an encouragement. What it means is we will never face any trial that, that this life can throw at us. We'll never face any trial on our own because God will be with us. We're never going to face any challenge in this lifetime on our own because Jesus is not going to forsake us. He's not going to abandon us. That whatever temptation that we come across, that Jesus is right there with us. He's, he's going to be with us to the end of the age because his love for us is unfailing. And so the fill-in is just a kind of an introductory reminder that God remains with us. That's the fill-in. That's the first truth. It's the premise of all this, that God has chosen because of his unfailing love to remain with us. Jesus is the expression of God's love, and that's why he says, I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. I'm going to be with you to the end of the age. And then, if you remember, what does Jesus call his disciples to? This is right at the very end of his life, that last night that he's spending with his disciples, and he's, he's challenging them. He's telling them the most powerful things that he can possibly tell them before his time on this earthly ministry is, is done. And he says this. He says in John 15, 4, remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. So the recognition is that because God remains in us, now he has called us to remain in him. And when we remain in him, there is fruit. There is a harvest. There, there is a beautiful production of love and kingdom in our life when we remain in Jesus. And so right off the bat, what I want you to do is I'd, I'd love to have you hear from the heart of an overlaker. This is my friend, Carrie, and he's doing exactly this. He's remaining in Jesus, and then there's this beautiful, kind of a fruitful harvest that is produced because he remains. So would you please welcome my friend, Carrie, as he shares with us today. Well, good morning. My name is Laura. I'm one of the pastors here with the Serve the World team, and um, why don't we just start off by you giving us a brief introduction of yourself and your ministry. Thanks. I'm Kerry, I, and, and I'm on the HIV AIDS care team, which has been around um, Overlake for about 10 years. It's a great team where we serve those who have HIV or AIDS, and we do very simple and practical things to help them, such as grocery shopping, hanging curtains, helping them move, paint, um, just ordinary everyday things. Uh, we're there to be family for them. Some of them don't have family or very little family around. Um, 
So we're there to provide for their physical, emotional, and some of their spiritual needs, and we try to help out in whatever way possible. Um, one of our care partners has um, lives on $200 a month, and so we know that without the care team, he would be homeless, and unfortunately, even worse, he'd probably be dead. So what an amazing ministry that you guys are able to just to offer, you know, to those who truly need it. Um, why don't you just share for a moment what it is that you really enjoy about this ministry? You know, what I really enjoy is just being helpful, just being there as a support and being able to help in very simple and practical ways, um, to be present, to ask questions, to be a companion. And um, the other thing that I enjoy is just serving with this team. The team that we have is are, are, are amazing individuals. They, uh, they give a little bit of their time, but they give a lot of their hearts, and they just love really well. And uh, I am blessed to be part of that team and blessed just being around them. Yeah, that's great. And I'm, I'm hoping that you can share even just a little bit more of what makes that team so special for you. You know, what makes the team special is that they are ordinary, everyday folks just like you and I. Um, they lead busy lives, they have families, they have jobs, but they still manage to spend just a little bit of their time giving and serving those who need it, and they give a lot of their hearts. Um, the other thing that's really special about the team is that we're there for each other. We support each other, we love each other, um, we pray for each other, and it's just, it's really an amazing team. Well, it's obvious that this team really knows how to love, and um, especially just loving your, your care partners, but also loving one another, and I think it's just a beautiful picture of what community should look like, and um, so now I was hoping that you could share what it is that has allowed you guys to remain faithful um, to your ministry for, I think they've been um, caring for these people for around nine years now, so. Yeah, the thing that helps us to remain faithful is that whenever we help one of our care partners, we make an obvious difference right there and then. For instance, when we go grocery shopping for them, we know that they wouldn't have groceries otherwise. When we make calls on their behalf to healthcare or government agencies, we see benefits restored or that were previously reduced or taken away. When we hang curtains or paint or move furniture for them, we see obvious joy and gratitude right there and then. So it's the simple things, and, and they make a difference. And I think the second reason we continue to serve is that it just feels good. It feels good to give back and to serve someone who really appreciates it and really needs it. Yeah. And and what you guys don't know is that, you know, this, this care team with Overlake has been under several different organizations over the years, and those organizations have kind of come and gone due to funding, but yet this group has really stayed and remained faithful, and it's just really a, a testimony. Um, so I know maybe some people here might want to get involved with this, so can you share a little bit of how that might look like? Yeah, thanks. There are lots of ways that you can get involved. Uh, we have a table out in the hallway, and so I invite you after the service to come by and, and talk to me. There are very simple 
and practical ways that you can help. And they don't require a long-term commitment. For example, one of our care partners is moving apartments in July, so I would welcome help just for that one time. If you can help move or pack someone, uh, pack some belongings, you don't have to be, um, that's not a big time commitment. Uh, there's also a need to uh, cook and freeze some healthy meals for one of our care partners so that uh, when they get home from work, all tired, they don't have to go out shopping, and they can just simply take out a frozen meal from the freezer, microwave it, and, and, and not have to worry about cooking it. Um, painting, uh, moving, making calls, uh, anything that you can think of. I have a whole list of things, and so I welcome you to come by the table and look at the opportunities. Again, if it's just a one-time thing, that's great. If you want to commit uh, more time on a regular basis, that's great as well. But uh, please come and talk to me, and I promise not to twist your arm. <laughs> so Carrie will be out in the hallway after service if you want to drop by and, and um, see how you can get involved. And uh, I just want to thank you for sharing this morning. And can we all just thank him and the care team just for, you know, being out in the community and um, being a blessing to people. So thank you. That's so, so great. I just celebrate Carrie. By the way, you can probably uh, tell that Carrie has a bit of an accent and you might be wondering, you know, where is Carrie from? He's from Bothell, actually, not, not too far away. But Kerry and, and his team, they're an example of what it is that we're talking about today. Because, you know, you don't uh, just, nine years plus in a ministry doesn't just happen without a commitment to remain. So it's not just that Kerry and his team listened to God's call. They did. It's not just that they responded to God's call. They did. But there's a remaining factor that is really, really beautiful. Uh, if you're filling in the blanks, the next one is remain means commitment and community. Commitment and community. It's a little bit what we see in Carrie's story, commitment and community. I have a question, though. I want to ask, how many of you, just over the course of your life, how many of you have ever been a part of a, an organized race of some kind, either a bike race or a running race or a swim race? Anybody been a part of Just raise your hand if you've ever been a part of an organized race. Okay, yeah, so many, many hands across the room. Um, here's the thing, and I, I want you to sort of, if you haven't been there, I want you to imagine the start of a marathon. I don't know, how many of you have been a part of a marathon? You've done a marathon, Janie? Yeah, and my, yeah my dad here in the front row has done a marathon. So the start of a marathon, if you've never been there, the excitement is palpable. There is uh, early morning, there's a DJ happening, there's all kinds of festive tunes, everybody is just buzzing on Gatorade and adrenaline, uh, you know, there's just, everyone's high-fiving each other, you're, you're just cheering people on you don't even know, um, right before the race begins, um, suddenly you have to go to the bathroom, so everyone's going to the bathroom, lines are long, and you're getting that out of the way, you know, out of the way, and, and then you're, you're ready to start the race. The gun goes off. Everybody's cheering. In fact, often there's so much adrenaline that the first mile you run, you, you run it faster than you've ever run it before because you're just so, you know, amped up on endorphins. And, and it's just a very, very exciting thing to begin a marathon. How many of you have ever been hanging out at mile 21? Anybody? Mile 21, it, it's not quite as exciting. 
right? The, 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 in fact, the, the agony is palpable at mile 21. And it's just one of those things where suddenly, like, the entire perspective is shifted and, and you know, potassium-derived deprived muscles are just kind of wobbly and, and you're just toast by then. And, and those high fives have long descended into side aches and, you know, uh, nipple rashes and all that stuff. And so... <laughs> Uh, it, it, it's, just, it's just not quite the same experience. And now here's what I want you to know, though. If you don't remain, if you're not consistent, you'll never see the finish line. That in order to hit the finish line, you've got to remain. You've got to be steadfast and persevere. And it's within that kind of a framework that I want you to hear these words from Hebrews. Therefore... Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance, there it is, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. In other words, he begins our faith journey, he perfects our faith journey, the, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. As you, as you look at that passage, you see that perseverance is how we're to run. And there's this cloud of witnesses, right? We're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. And, and I would say that this is not merely... Uh, it's, it's not merely like the stained glass saints. It's also the, the great saints that have been connected to us, maybe in our church family or our, our spiritual fathers and mothers who have gone on before us. But you need to understand that, that they're not witnessing us necessarily. That's not, that's not what this passage means. They're witnesses for Jesus. So they're witnesses of faithfulness to Jesus. They're witnesses that they have actually persevered in their own faith journeys. And I want you to know how important it is that we recognize that you and I are followers of Jesus today because we stand on their shoulders. Because they persevered and they were faithful before us, now we have the opportunity to be followers of Jesus today and to persevere, and then we get to impact the generations that follow us. And so it's just kind of an interesting thing to remember that, that this idea of remaining, it requires that communal aspect. We do this in community. None of us are isolated. None of us are on this journey alone. One of the marathons that I ran, it was actually, a, it's what is called a beginner marathon, unless that's an oxymoron, beginner marathon, but uh, the beginner marathon that I did was at Portland, and the reason why they call it a beginner marathon is because there's really no elevation change throughout the whole race, so it's mostly just flat along the river, it's nice, a lot of people go and they get their personal best there, so I was going to run the, the Portland marathon with my buddy Jay, Jay Stuckey rhymes with cookie, and so Jay and I... We get there, and, and we start running the Portland Marathon, and we hadn't trained together, so this is the first time we we're coming together, and we're just sort of uh, having fun on the first mile or two, and, and then we realized we needed a mantra to get through this thing, and so we came up with this mantra. It was, there is no pain, there is only joy, and so we would say this to one another anytime we needed to hear it, and we said it very often through the course of this marathon. We said it so often that we almost believed it. There is no pain. There is only joy. 
And uh, it worked because uh, for about 20 plus miles, we ran at our personal best. Like neither of us had run this fast and we were, we were like cranking and, and just really just pacing an, an amazing pace all the way through. I was like, really, I'm, I'm so impressed with myself. And uh, about mile 21, Jay gets sick and so he has to drop out. And then I'm on my own. And I want to tell you, I recognized instantly how much more difficult things are when you are not in community. Because suddenly it was as if my muscles began to seize and my legs just would not function. And I had to tell my, my feet to take step after step after step. And the joy was completely gone. And the open weeping was right there. And and, and I'll just tell you, you know, I, I was able to finish the race, but, but it was such a different experience those last five miles than the first 20 plus. And the difference was community, right? Community and consistency, community and commitment. And these things together provide a powerful resource for our faith. I would love to have you watch this video. This is one of Overlake's life groups, and, and it illustrates this combination of commitment and community. Hello, my name is Anand Chalian, and uh, this is my wife, Apurva, and these are uh, Daniel and Ophelia uh, Kurupaya, and uh, we are members of the Overlake Indian Life Group. When people ask me to describe India, this is what I tell them. It, India has 31 states, has 40 languages, and 70 dialects. So, so there is a lot of diversity in one country. And even within us, in, in the group where around 30 of us gather uh, every month, we at least, uh, there are some 14 languages that are spoken um, within the group. We are in a journey where we are currently celebrating the diversity in our group, the diversity in how we worship, the diversity how we do ministry, evangelism, discipleship, and fellowship. Primarily, the goals of the group is to balance the Great Commission and the Great Commandment. I wanted to know whether it was a real call of God to start this group. So we deliberated on this for 18 months and we kept praying about it and that's when people uh, started praying over us and God was sending people here and there to remind us that it was Him who wanted, who orchestrated this whole thing. Initially, the purpose of our group was to serve and to be a blessing in our neighborhood. For the last three years, the group has come together to carol at the retirement homes in the east side. The second, the second ministry that we have been involved, the group has been involved, is the safe parking ministry. Every month from October last year, the group comes together on third Saturday and we take turns to serve meals to the guests in the safe parking ministry. Our ministry has grown from sharing for other people to sharing between each other and caring for each other. It's been a calling God has put on our hearts to uh, take care of each other. And we meet virtually over the phone. We have a conference call and uh, we pray over various uh, needs of all the members. And it has been really amazing and touching to see uh, how people are struggling and what problems they have. And it also encourages us because we see the, the answered prayers and it further motivates us to pray for each other. If God has given you a calling, He has obviously laid the plans for you. So you can be very sure that if, if you get a calling from God, 
he has laid out his plans he just wants you to be obedient and take the first step he has mapped the rest of the way for you you just have to take that leap of faith and move yeah <clears throat> yeah I, i absolutely celebrate them and it's just so fun to see and what i want you to see too about how Daniel and Ophelia kind of were cautious as they they waded into the first part, right? They they were cautious about listening to God because they wanted to make sure they were hearing from him correctly. Like is this really what you want for us, Lord? And I think she said it took about 18 months or so during that season because they knew that when they heard God's call, they wanted to respond in obedience and they wanted to remain in it. And so it's a beautiful picture of that idea of commitment and community and And I do want you to see friends that <clears throat> Overlake itself is an example of remaining. The church itself that that if if we all don't serve and support and and give and if we're not all committed in this expression of God's kingdom called Overlake if 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 the commitment of of the people of Overlake isn't here then the the mission ceases to exist. Right it's an example this very church is evidence of a commitment to remain in God's call. Um we talked about the Katali project and how fun it is to kick off a new ministry over in Kenya helping street kids get off the streets and then into some great orientation and then replaced back into homes of loving family and extended family members and so we're so excited about what this looks like. I think our launch date is within a month from now. But I want you to understand that we don't go into this lightly. We go into it with an understanding that yes, we believe we've heard God's call and we're responding to God's call, but we want to remain in God's call. We want we want to continue this because the harvest happens when we remain in Jesus. When we remain in where it is that he has called us to invest. We celebrate commissioning our parish pastors where we have uh, pastors in parishes all in neighborhoods all around the east side and they feel that God has called them to their neighborhood and to their community and so we celebrate commissioning them as they seek to communicate God's unfailing love right where they have been planted by God and so it's just kind of a, a beautiful beautiful thing i want you to know that it is so much more exciting to talk about launching and starting and the front end of any kind of of ministry and it's not as appealing for many of us to continue and to be constant and steadfast and remain but i want to give you one illustration this is only one example of why it is so essential to remain So I had heard a rumor that there were a lot of wells, freshwater wells that had been dug in Africa that were no longer functional. So I did some research this week. I wanted to find out how many wells have have well-meaning folks, you know, gone over and invested kingdom resources in in Africa and dug wells. How many of those wells were still functional? Here's what I found. Over 60% of all of the freshwater wells in Africa are non-functional today non-functional. In other words, it was so much more fun for American Christians to say, "Hey, let's go dig a well." And they invest all this money in digging a well, but then we don't have a plan for remaining. And so I I did a little more research. Well, how much investment was that in terms of numerical value? 360 million dollars US is the estimate 
of that, and this is from the International Institute for Environment and Development. I want to tell you it's heartbreaking to me. And it's heartbreaking for two reasons. Number one, it's heartbreaking for that waste of kingdom resources. Number two, it's heartbreaking because a broken well doesn't quench anyone's thirst. That's why it's heartbreaking to me. And that's why not remaining is so tragic. And so I do want you to know, just because many of you already know that we do freshwater well projects in, in Kenya and in the Katali region. We've, we've done over 90 different well projects over there. And I want you to know, as we do them, we, it, we bring um, Kenyans alongside and we employ locals and, and we train up locals and we use all local materials in order to drill these and maintain these wells. So that now I can honestly stand before you and say every one of our 90 plus wells is functional today because of our commitment to remain where we go and invest. Does anyone, uh, yeah, it's like, is that not exciting? And I, and I just want to say that, again, it's not a pat on our back, but it's this reality that God's call has all three elements, listening and responding and remaining. And that's just a part of his plan. Uh, the next fill-in is, is this, remain means consistency. That when you consistently go after something, you consistently, uh, you know, try to, to uh, serve in a certain way, build the kingdom in a certain way, and there's a consistency to it, the reality is you get better over time. I remember uh, at one of my first ministries down in Southern California, I was a youth pastor, I was working with young people, and I remember meeting this, uh, he was just getting out of the eighth grade, his name was Fabian. And Fabian, he had just this shock blonde hair, and he was about this tall, and he came up to me, and he's like, hey, Mike, <laughs> like Mickey Mouse, and uh, he, you know, he came up, hey, Mike, how are you? And I was like, oh, bud, I'm good, and we were talking for a while, and, and I had some, at some point, I'd ask him, what did he want to do? What did he want to be? And, and he said, Mike, I'm going to be a professional skateboarder, you know. And I was like, oh, Fabian, that's cool. Or, do you know how to skateboard? And he said, no, but I'm going to learn, you know. Like he was just so excited. And, and so, okay, bud, you know, and I patted him on the head. And, and uh, so Fabian went off, and, and he began to practice skateboarding. And he got a bunch of buddies who were skateboarding. And then was, I think it was about his sophomore year, he came up to me, and he's like, hey, Mike. His voice has changed a little bit. He said, hey, Mike. I was like, hey, Fabian, how's it going? He said, oh, it's good. I just, I want to let you know, I just got sponsored by Element uh, Skateboards. And, and uh, so I think I'm kind of on, on the way. And I'm like, oh, Fabian, that's great. And then about a year later, he comes to me. He's like, hey, Mike. <laughs> I'm like, hey, Fabian, how are you? He's like, hey, I just want you to know, I just, I just uh, did this video with Tony Hawk. And I, you know, I, so my skateboard thing, it seems like it's working. I'm like, oh, great. And then he graduates high school. And he comes up to me. He's like, hey, Mike. And he's got tats all over. And hey, Fabian, how are you? watch me ollie this house, you know, and he just takes off, and he's just superhuman at that point, point. and why, how is that possible, and the only way that's possible is that he just had a commitment to being consistent, it was just every day he would go with his buddies, and every day he would skate, and, and you and I, I mean, you could debate, is that worth it, isn't it worth it, the point is this, the point is, when you're consistent at going after something, you will get great at it, that's the point, so, so consistency matters, and when it comes to God's call, which I believe is the most important thing that we'll ever go after, it's important that we remain consistent. It's important that we remain, period. So that's a part of God's call. The next fill-in is that remain means you play the long game. You play the long game. You look ahead and you recognize, oh, this is not an investment for the short 
uh, you know, dividend season. This is an investment for the long game, the long dividends. That's where the ultimate harvest, that's where the ultimate kingdom payoff happens. I got a buddy named Tom. Tom uh, started uh, Tom Flick Communications, and Tom, is a, he's a great friend. His, his business is that he, is, he, he trains in different corporate uh, contexts. He, he goes from, like, boardrooms to convention centers, and he is a, he's a communicator and an instructor on leadership principles, and it's just been an amazing thing to be his friend. And, and I've actually been in the room when he's done his presentations to different companies, and, and it's, it's just so inspiring and motivating. And, and he's got, you know, the, the greatest leadership principles in the world that he's building uh, his, his training off of. And so it's just so fun. And so one day I was on a personal retreat with Tom and I was just talking to him because I see how he goes from like speaking in these huge contexts and then he'll move right into the boardroom and he'll speak with just 12 people and then he'll move from there into like just working with the president or the CEO and and he's so conversational and he's so engaged and he's so encouraging and he's able to really draw out you know where's the crux of this issue and how can I speak into this and how can I serve you and I mean it's just dynamic it's 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 incredible so I was with Tom and I said Tom how is it? Were you always like this over-the-top extrovert, and you always are just energized by being around people? And, and he stopped me, and he said, you assume I'm an extrovert. He said, I'm not. I'm an introvert. I, How is that possible? You know? And, and he said, he goes, I knew when I started this thing 30 years ago that as an introvert, I would need to challenge myself. And so I simply began to train. And I began to train uh, myself to, to really enjoy interacting with people and spending time with people. He said, now, a lot of times I, I really do have to have recharge time where I build that into my schedule as well. But he said, Mike, I want to tell you something. I've been doing this thing for 30 years. And all the while I've been practicing. And I want to tell you a secret. And I wrote this down afterwards. He said, when you practice anything for 30 years, you get good at it. It's true. Now, he's playing the long game, right? He knows exactly what it is that he wants to go after, and so he builds that in to the long game. And, and friends, again, I'm going to go after this idea that God's call is the most important part of your entire existence, that, that his love for you and the way that he wants you to let his love impact your world, that is the most important. So play the long game and go after it consistently and remain in it because that's where the harvest comes from. You know, Malcolm Gladwell writes in his book, Outliers, that it takes 10,000 hours. That's the minimum amount of time investment it takes to achieve a level of expertise at anything. And so I want you to think about that. What that means is we get an opportunity right now to listen to God and respond to God and then begin to build with God what it is that our main impact in life will be. What it is that we listen and we respond, and then we go after that 10,000 hours to find our greatness. You know, we found kind of a fun video, and I want to show you this. It's about finding your greatness. Go ahead and watch this. Some people are told they were born with greatness. Some people tell themselves... Greatness needs a lot of things. 
but it doesn't need an audience. Greatness is not born. It's made. Greatness isn't always measured in tenths of a point. It's a bit bigger than that. Greatness speaks for itself. Once it learns to talk. That last one was for Father's Day. You know, find your greatness. And, and obviously, each one of those had something to do with athleticism. But I, I want you to apply it into the spiritual realm for a moment. I want you to apply it to your main impact. I want you to apply it to your influence and your legacy. Because the challenge is the same. Find your greatness. See, the great thing is you get to listen to God, and you get to respond to God, and you get to work with God to decide who it is that you're going to be. And then you get to spend the rest of your life becoming that person. You get to listen to God and respond to God and decide with God what your influence will be. And then you get to spend the rest of your life building that influence. But what it requires is remaining. It requires that commitment, that investment. It requires us to be consistent. Look at this verse, Psalm 119.5. Oh, that my actions would consistently reflect your decrees. In other words, that our prayer is that we would consistently be who it is that God's calling us to be, that we would consistently uh, have in our behavior and in our actions the things that God is calling us to consistently communicate to the world, consistently loving, consistently honoring one another, consistently obeying God's call, consistently leaning into our relationship with Jesus, consistently remaining in the ministry that God calls us to. And again, it's not your own. It comes from God. It flows from God. Excuse me, from God because God is the one who's consistent toward us. First Chronicles 16:34. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Friends, that, that word steadfast, that's where we need to hold on. That's the hope. Because regardless of how we're doing, God is steadfast toward us. His love consistent toward us. His love unfailing toward us. He is consistent. We're the ones who are inconsistent. And so we need to settle the issue. We need to remain in him. And so this is what we want to focus on. John 15, 5. Jesus says, I'm the vine. You're the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. And that's what we hope. We hope that we produce much fruit for God's kingdom, the fruit of love all over in our lives. For apart from me, Jesus says, you can do nothing. And if you read through that passage, specifically that chapter in John 15, but even if you go through the entire book of John, you'll see that this word comes up from Jesus again and again and again. Remain in me. Remain in me. I will remain in you. Because this is the source of our life as followers of Jesus. This is the source of our energy. This is the source of our hope and our joy. This is what allows us to get up in the morning and go after it again. It's, it's that remaining in Jesus like a branch to the vine. 
He is the source of our life and our nourishment and our strength. Now, as we've been talking about this for the last three weeks, I, I wanted to close our time together on this with, with just one small issue. And maybe the issue, if you're here, you've been tracking with us and you're like, Mike, what if I've missed it? What if I've just missed it? I, I've not listened to God. I've not responded to God. And I'm, I'm not obeying God and his call for my life. And, and if that's you, I just want you to fill in this blank. It says, when it comes to God's call, it's never too late. It's never too late. See, when you ask yourself the question, well, what do I do if I've missed God's call? The beauty is that with Jesus, there is always a road forward. With Jesus, there is always a road ahead. And so the key thing is not that you look back and not that you lament the years. And this could be true in parenting. This could be true in terms of your own life season. And you're like, what do I have to show for my life? Or what do I have to show for my parenting? It's like, you don't know. Here's the beauty. The beauty is come to Jesus today. And you ask for his help today. And you begin the journey ahead with him today. There's this great passage in Jeremiah, and I'll close with this. It's Jeremiah 18. It says, the Lord gave another message to Jeremiah. He said, go down to the potter's shop, and I will speak to you there. So Jeremiah listens. Jeremiah responds. So I, as I did as he told me, and I found the potter working at his wheel. But the jar he was making did not turn out as he'd hoped, so he crushed it into a lump of clay again and started over. Then the Lord gave me this message, O Israel. Can I not do to you as this potter has done to his clay? As the clay is in the potter's hand, so you are in my hand. You might want to circle that phrase. Friends, you are in the hands of Jesus. You are in the hands of your heavenly father. You are in the hands of the potter. And what that means is regardless of whether you feel like you've missed God's call or you've spent years ignoring God's call, what it means is there is no guilt, there is no shame, but there is a reminder that you have an opportunity today to say yes to him. You have an opportunity today to say, yes, Jesus, I want to listen to you, I want to respond to you, and I want to remain in you. So friends, why don't you bow your heads and close your eyes and let's ask for his help to do just that. Jesus, we want to thank you for this visual picture that we are in your hands. We are clay in your hands. And you are the one who is sculpting us. You are the one who is uh, working on each one of our hearts, building us. And, and you have a beautiful plan. You have a beautiful strategy. There's, there's a beautiful investment that you are making in us that you call us to make in this world. And so Jesus, today, whether we feel like we've missed it for our whole lives, whether we feel like we've been walking a season without you, what, what it is that we want to say to you today is, is yes. Yes, we choose to remain in you. We choose to remain connected to you as the source of our life, as our spiritual lifeblood, as, as the lifeblood of our joy and our hope in this life. We, we remain connected to you to receive your unfailing love. And then, Jesus, we ask that as we remain in you, that you would allow us to share your unfailing love with others.
that as we remain connected in you, you would allow there to be a beautiful harvest in our lives, a harvest of delicious kingdom fruit. And we pray all of these things, Lord Jesus, in your precious name. Amen.